On that note, so qualifying was today. Oh. Do you know what happens? No. Do you want to know what happens? Sure. Guess who put it on poll? Not Dion. No. Okay. I would be like on oh, the no, roof. Okay. <laughs> um. oh, I don't know. Guess that's the game, mate. <laughs> yeah, but I'll just guess the name that I like or want. I'll just I'm sure like it's not Max because you're happy. Um Alonso. No, oh. that would have been great. Oh my god, for the underdogs. Um, <laughs> I don't know, Leclerc? No. Signs. No. <laughs> well, you're like, who's left? Paris. No. Schumacher? Close. Magnuson. Yes. What? <laughs> no. Yeah. Got the timing right and nailed it. No. No, it wasn't DR on the poll, but if it can't be him, then it might as well have been Kevin Magnuson. Welcome to Free Practice Fridays with Freya, where depending on your time zone, it might just still be Friday, but it's definitely Saturday in Australia. It's going to be a slightly different episode this week where we can now actually confirm that Tommy T doesn't write back to messages rather than Freya forgetting to send them. But holy smokes, who would have thought the news of the day is that KMAG is on poll. Watching the Discord as this was gradually coming to fruition and we realised what was going to happen was probably one of the greatest things I've seen, second only to when Daniel was racing at Monza. And absolute scenes in the Haas garage. What a phenomenal start to the weekend. I'm really excited about Brazil and after this, I don't see how anybody couldn't be. But not everybody will have watched qualifying yet so we won't ruin any surprises and instead let's just get stuck into other news of the week and a couple of interesting things to talk about. First of all just going into this weekend we've got Carlos who's got a five place grid penalty. Um, This is his sixth new engine because as we all know the Ferrari engine blows up whenever it feels like it. And we had very dramatic scenes with him catching fire and having to quickly uh, evacuate his car. And of course, his eighth exhaust system. And what is interesting, of course, just remember that this is a sprint weekend, which means that those will be applied to Sunday's race start as opposed to Saturday. There's no other technical upgrades this weekend. No one has submitted any changes to their car, I think, which really just shows that, you know, at this point in the season, there's no point in spending money on the last couple of races, given that both championships are done. Um, We've obviously got some interesting battles going on, um, but, you know, everybody's been focused on on next year for a couple of races now, and that also sees that there's no technical upgrades this weekend. But Carlos is not the only one with a new exhaust. VB and Zhou Guan Yu will also take their eighth, which is, as I understand it, as many as you're allowed to um, this season. So hopefully it makes it through the next two races. When it comes to Brazil, we've got a couple of track changes. Nothing really um, noticeable, I suppose, from a spectator's perspective. 
there's some new barriers, there's some new guardrails. We've got a new public space, which means that they need new guardrails. Um, and they do also have, though, some new surface grooves on the main straight to try and mitigate some of that aquaplaning. So given how variable the weather is looking for this weekend, that might just turn out to be quite important to how it pans out. Um, but we will see what happens. It certainly looked pretty ominous towards later afternoon this weekend with the drivers kind of saying it's getting darker and darker out here and just that constant threat of rain. So we'll see what happens in the sprint and in the race as well on Sunday. We do have extra points on offer this weekend, of course, um, which will be important to both the drivers and constructors as much as both of them have been, you know, they're both in the bag when it comes to Red Bull and Max Verstappen. Um, We do have a five-point difference only between, you know, Perez and Leclerc going into qualifying. So there's lots of little battles going on in constructors as well with Alpine only seven points ahead of McLaren. So those extra points this weekend might just be the difference to a couple of those um, those com- competitions or battles that haven't yet been won. For a moment, it looks like DeVry was going to get a go in the McLaren, which means that perhaps by next weekend um, or by Abu Dhabi, he would have been in every single car on the grid, um, but that didn't end up coming to fruition and we did indeed see Lando get on the track instead, but I was going to be pretty entertained to see uh, Nick DeVry having a go in pretty much every team. If When we get our 150 races next year, um, we might just see that happens, although he will, of course, be in a driver's seat by then. Other things that were happening during this week, I think you had to be living in a cave to miss the fact that there was the Vegas launch, um, over 40,000 fans there. And I think, you know, if this if the launch and the way they went about it in terms of, you know, the drone show being the indicator that tickets were on sale, all sorts of things and cars driving through casinos and other outrageous scenes like the lights under the cars and whatnot, if that's anything to go by, this race is just going to be such a spectacle, which is what we had always suspected you know this whole event is purely designed for entertainment um it's not designed for competition and George Russell even said as much when he started getting a visual of the track and actually being there kind of saying this is designed for the spectators um it's designed for entertainment it might not be the most enjoyable track for a driver um but people will be entertained that's for sure and if you're paying two to two and a half thousand dollars for tickets then you would hope to be entertained um as As we all know, this is going to be one of those um, events that's pretty inaccessible to those of us who don't have the blue tick. James might be invited, though. Um, He'll have the blue tick by then. Not that he'll care. In fact, don't don't give him the blue tick. That's fine. But Hamilton, uh, Russell, Albon, Perez were all there, along with a couple of the team principals um, and obviously some of the Sky F1 and F1 broadcasters. So really interesting to see how that pans out next year. I think we got a pretty good taster for it um, through through that launch event, which just looked pretty outrageous. I just wanted to do a quick cap, um, a recap this weekend with the sprint race because we haven't had one for a little while and the rules this year with the sprint race did change to last year and we haven't actually had it confirmed if they're going to change again next year. There have been some reports to say that 
it might, you know, whether or not um, the sprint race outcome is as closely linked from a points perspective and position perspective with the Sunday race or if they are actually kind of, I suppose, untangled in a certain way. Um, there's been a few reports that they're going to revisit how a sprint weekend is is organised. But for this time around, um, we you know, we had three sprints last year. We've got three this year. There'll be six next year, as I mentioned. We haven't had those venues confirmed yet. Um, but these were introduced to try and bring more competition basically across the days, you know, make it more exciting for spectators and have every time you kind of you go out on track mean more when it comes to the competition in Formula One. There's very different perspectives when it comes to whether or not this is a good addition to the sport. Max Verstappen obviously has been pretty outspoken in saying that he doesn't like them. Um, he doesn't feel like it adds value to the weekend and they just tend to focus on trying to not get damage rather than actually going all out um, on the Saturday sprint race. But it does mean that you have qualifying on a Friday um, and the sprint obviously on a Saturday, which is about 100 k's, um, and then you have the race on Sunday, which is your full race distance. So qualifying sets the grid for sprint, and then sprint sets the grid for the race on Sunday. And the top eight in a sprint are awarded points. So last year it was only the top three. So we do have more points on offer this year, um, which I think was a good move because it does add more meaning to the sprint race. Although I think we are meant to say that it's not a race, but sprint race, race, not a race, whatever. Um, But it does make that a bit more meaningful. It adds more excitement to or already exciting weekend with the sprint when you've got more on offer when it comes to to points. So what are the points? You've got eight um, for first place in sprint, decreasing by one point down to eighth. So it's just the top eight who, who get points on the Saturday. Then, of course, results from the sprints at the grid for Sunday, as I mentioned. And as with a regular race format, pole position would go to the fastest qualifier. In this case, Kevin Magnussen. Still can't believe it. Though this is actually changed from last year where it was the sprint winner who won pole, who was technically given pole position, which never made any sense to me given that pole position winner is meant to be the winner of qualifying, um, which is on in qualifying. But anyway, maybe that's just one of those moves where they've come to their censuses. <laughs> censuses. This is what happens when I have to host a podcast by myself. I start making up words, although I do that in every other one anyway. Um, But they have come to their senses somewhat um, in doing the logical thing whereby pole goes to the fastest qualifier. It, of course, also means that we only have two practice sessions um, because the third one essentially becomes qualifying, which just means that teams have a little bit less time um, and kind of flexibility to try and set up their cars Um, for the weekend, for qualifying and then for the races, which can have implications, I think, but it's interesting to see how it does change the weekend when it comes to viewing, when it comes to how teams approach it um, and how, of course, drivers feel about going into those weekends. It was a big weekend last year here with Hamilton making up 15 places in 24 laps in the sprint. Um, That was one of the ones that was really confusing for me when they were saying, you know, he's come from the back to the front in the race. Well, he actually didn't. He came from back to the front in the sprint, so was then – far further up the grid when it came to Sunday's race. So I think, from my opinion, 
it's little technicalities with like that with how a weekend runs that can make people quite skeptical of these types of changes within Formula One. You know, not being clear on whether or not a penalty will be applied to a sprint race or the Sunday um, full race format start, um, or if you know if you do have that. Um, pole position, whether it goes to qualifier or to sprint race arena, things like that. I think when it's just not clear as to how the weekend is organised, where the points go, where they don't go, um, can just make people a bit sceptical. It does look like they are gradually sorting it out though, as I said, and I think it's not necessarily a bad thing that we have more of these next year, um, but it can be quite track specific as to whether or not it is a good format for different race weekends. So lots to look forward to when it comes to Brazil. Already plenty to have seen and KMAG absolutely taking the cake when it comes to the epic visuals that we've had already in that house garage. Gosh, what you do to be there. Now, as you might have guessed, I love telling stories, but more than that, I love hearing people tell their stories. And as part of Freya's Free Practice Fridays, or thank goodness it's Fridays with Freya for Free Practice, I forget, <laughs> I want to learn not just about the people involved in Formula One, but the people who watch it. So we tapped one Lakeside Drive listener on the shoulder and invited her to tell us her story. So, Emily... When did you first get introduced to F1? What's your earliest F1 memory? So I think, yeah, I think I've mentioned this to you before, that like it's always been sort of like a Sunday stuck on the TV thing for my dad. So I definitely grew up, my dad would usually fall asleep watching it with the remotes in his hand and we couldn't change the channel. So you'd end up just sat there on the TV. And that was like one of my earliest memories, but my dad, um, <laughs> also, <laughs> his little claim to fame, has a big picture on the wall somewhere. So he used to race Formula 4. Okay. So um, we do sometimes tease him that that doesn't even exist. But um, <laughs> Do you know where he raced Formula 4? Like what countries? Oh, England. So okay, we, right. this is when we, so we grew up in the UK. So um, he was obsessed with Silverstone. Yeah. So, um, used to go there on the weekends, race these Formula 4 cars. Like, I don't know if he was ever competitive or whether he was just doing it for the fun of it. I don't yeah. know. Um, I would love to ask him more about this. I really should. I'm like, yeah, this is cool, but never asked him. Um, but he had this really cool, I remember this book, and it was like a massive book. And in the front, there was a CD to go with it. And it was all like the the kind of history so far, and this was in the 90s for sure, mm. just like the history so far of um, F1 cars, but it was like the CD was um, a live recording of F1 cars going around Silverstone. So it was like they had put, um, obviously, like microphones, I suppose, yeah. more advanced microphones, <laughs> at different points in the track so you could right. hear it. It was just like one car going around, yeah. I assume, because it used to just like disappear into the background and then you could hear it like coming back around wow. again. It, it was so fascinating. So my dad just to turn off all the lights, put on the like surround sound on his sound system and then just we would all just sit there and be like, oh, there's the car. It was wild. But... It, was, it kind of got us into it as kids. Um, and then I suppose, like, obviously moving out of home, it wouldn't be on the TV anymore. Mm-hmm. So um, I just, I was never really, didn't really follow it as a support, as a sport, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but then yeah Drive to Survive kicked off and that became the new Netflix thing to watch yeah. and I was like oh my god this is class like and I think um and I'm again like we know it's been so successful successful right but for so many people sort of my age it gave us that insight into like oh like this is not even my age but like I suppose people with like my level of kind of knowledge of F1 like it gives yeah. you that background to be able to support like a team or a driver or yeah I don't know yeah. Uh, so it just really kind of got me into it again do you still have the CD <laughs> probably I just I'm, all I can imagine is like your dad's still sitting at home he's coming for Christmas all, I should ask him gone and he's sitting he's there listening to it on his own yeah by candlelight no doubt yeah. um do you know could you imagine cute. listening to that driving you'd oh. be like <laughs> All of a sudden, he's just sitting, like, revving it at the lights. Yeah, Just yeah, yeah. pulling the handbrake up around the corner. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, that would be good fun. So you mentioned that you, like, it kind of sounds, as I don't put words in your mouth, but it sounds like you didn't necessarily kind of fall in love with F1. That initially that kind of came later. Yeah. As you learned more about it and the kind of the people involved and the stories and that type of thing. And you mentioned, obviously, Drive to Survive and mm-hmm. Netflix. What's your view on like the Netflix effect, so to speak, and how that's changed the sport, recognising that you're someone who kind of through that actually got more into it. But, you know, you you were already, maybe you were already a committed fan in a certain way. What's your thought on the the Netflix effect? Yeah, for sure. So, um, again, like because I did sort of grow up with it in my household, but I I never, it was never on because I chose it to be something we were watching or following. So. Um, and then, of course, I wasn't around. Like, all my dad's formula for stuff was before he had kids. Yeah, okay. So we were never part of it, unfortunately. So, um, yeah, my, my sort of, like, interest as a fan definitely came about from the Drive to Survive side of things. Um, regards to the Netflix Netflix effect, um, I'm definitely one of these naive people who <laughs> 100% believes that what you're watching is fact yeah and like this hasn't been construed (laughs) in any way to make it more um I don't know like engaging as a um oh no it's not being dramatized at all this is so factual (laughs) like did you not see what he said like yeah no that's how I like to believe it is yeah um so I do have to (laughs) remind myself to take that step back um but personally I think it's been great right because it's given people that that insight into a sport that you wouldn't necessarily get that, right? Like, um, you know, you look at football, for example, like it's so easy and I'm sure you can do this for F1, but is it done as much? I don't know. Yeah. But like you can visit like a grounds and, and go into like the dressing rooms and like get mm. like the experience, right? You can't really get into like the nitty gritty of mm. Formula One unless you're like a really special person and get invited yeah. um, to be like trackside and things like that. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, it's just, I think it's really nice to give people who would never sort of imagine themselves getting that behind the scenes Mm. sort of feel. Mm. Um, And I love just kind of understanding, like, what the teams are doing. Like, you hear all this stuff, all this jargon gets thrown around on the weekends. And it's even hard to listen to what the commentators are saying sometimes because there's so much going on on the screen. Yeah. Um, So it is kind of cool to just kind of see, like, you know, why the car was different. Why it had such a big impact. Like, and I know we're watching it like a season it's behind, basically. Yeah. But it, it's just kind of interesting to understand those things, I yeah. think. I think it's it's really interesting. It definitely has, like I said, kind of like opened what was a kind of closed room, mm. kind, of, kind of, so to speak, in terms of 
being able to get a better understanding as to how a team ends up where they do or how a car ends up where it does. Um, what it, and what is about it? What is it about Formula One? So if you kind of go, okay, you had a bit of a taste of it as a kid, mm. and then you watched Drive to Survive, and that kind of re-engaged you with it, and kind of you fell in love with it, with it in your own way. What keeps you watching? Because, like you said, Sundays are now a ritual for you again, which yeah, perhaps they weren't yeah. for a while. So now, what is it that keeps drawing you back? Gosh, this is a good question, and. <laughs> probably like the drama of it all like obviously it's it's a highly entertaining sport as a spectator like we all have those races where we're like well that's boring like nothing's happened (laughs) like ooh, can someone crash please (laughs) um obviously it's risky it's like even just and obviously like i suppose social media helps us so much right even just seeing like some of the training they're doing on when you see it on instagram and you're like wow like they put their bodies through so much um and I think also like understanding it a bit more over the last few years is like how much of an influence is it's not just one person Mm. it's a massive team Mm. and that comes to like the team who were there on the day um and the teams who were like back in the the like offices and the factories yeah Yeah, and everybody who's it's like it's just such a like massive thing to even get people there and and like obviously it changes location and like that's interesting and different tracks and it's not like it's it's different every time, right? Yeah. I've never been into football, and to me, it's like I'm watching the same. Like I don't even know how many people are on the pitch. Ten <laughs> per side. We'll like, have to be clear for listeners that when you say football, you mean soccer. soccer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like you're just all doing the same thing again. Yeah, like the yeah, same yeah. pitch is the exact same size. There are no new challenges here. Oh, look, you injured yourself, boohoo! Like it's just <laughs> I just don't find it. Like, I think that's probably where I do find F1 just so kind of yeah. engaging, right? Yeah. And it's like, and like the things that can make a massive difference. Yeah. Like, you, like, like we've seen pit stops, like, ruin championships. It's just yeah. like, that, that, that blows my mind. Yeah. Like, and it's not your fault. It's someone yeah. else's. It's like, ah. <laughs> yeah. So it just, yeah, I think just even like the, the kind of energy that it brings definitely yeah. is what So like, it's always like a, just being in awe of the sport mm, itself. For sure. In a bit, in a in a certain way of like the sport the teams and the, the drivers yeah. for sure like everything just, that's a part of it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. for yeah. sure so you have backed a winning horse <laughs> when it comes to who you support why are you a Red Bull fan and are you a fan of the drivers or of the team mm. um God, I don't first question first why <laughs> Um, uh, do you know a lot of this came from Drive to Survive and right. just even um, and you, you'll be glad to know that through watching Drive to Survive one of the drivers who became my favourite person was Daniel Ricciardo oh, straight away <laughs> and it was like in the seasons when he was with Renault yeah. and I was like he was just brilliant and then I can't, I actually can't remember you'll remember better than me what his decision was mm. and was it oh no it was the season where he left Red Bull and then went to, went to Renault that's what yeah. it was and I remember, I remember me and me and James, um, my husband, I should clarify, not James from Lakeside Drive. Um, <laughs> we were both like, why did he do that? Like, he should have stayed. And yeah. I think then that, it was almost like we kind of naturally were taking like Red Bull's side. I don't even know how it happened, but we just, yeah. we were. I should end the interview right now. Yeah, then after exactly. that. <laughs> um, and then we just kind of 
hook to like the way that, that we're massive Max Verstappen fans. It's just kind of the way that he is. Mm. And he's so young, but like so aggressive and just yeah. doesn't even care. Like, like he is, I will win or I will lose. Like, mm. and I know that's been said so many times, but like he will just put everything on the line. And I know they all do. I totally get that. But I just don't think I've ever seen anyone just not care about anything else yeah. so much. Like yeah. he gets out there and he was like, if I'm not at the front, forget about it like yeah and that's kind of like an addictive thing to back right mm. it's probably like an easy thing to support because I'm like yeah he's gonna win this is great um but no there's just something about him I quite I quite liked like I just liked that sort of spirit what does your dad think about you being a yeah, Red Bull he's not a, no he's a Hamilton fan <laughs> through and through um and it was last year was horrific in our family chat it was oh like, my god it was like Ham's gonna get it and I was like we were like me and my sister are both Max fans as well but um yeah just the family chat was wild last year <laughs> not, not a fun place to be um but yeah no dad dad doesn't I, I don't I think he finds them too brazen and too yeah. like aggressive but again like is it because they've come from a slightly different era, right? Where well, that's it. Like, Red Bull only came into the sport as a works team in 2004, which mm-hmm. is interesting. So if, you, you know, if you're someone who grew up watching it, like, they didn't even exist. exist yeah. Right? So all I, I remember watching it when I was younger is um, Michael Schumacher in a red outfit. That's yeah. all I remember. Yeah. Okay. That's as far as my... And to be fair, I think that's a lot of people's went, early yeah, memories yeah, yeah. Yeah. who are kind of around our, our age, I suppose. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um... <laughs> Sorry, I'm just imagining like that moment after Abu Dhabi with oh, you, you and your dad. <laughs> Not speaking. Oh, <my> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, because dad actually, even even before this season kicked off, my dad was threatening me that um, the FIA were going to retract Max's championship win mm. because of like, I was like, no, they're not, they're not going to do that. But I was actually so scared. <laughs> Classic, oh, that's never already... happen. Oh my yeah. God, what if it happens? Yeah. I will be honest, I don't like that his car is now number one mm. i'm like dude we all know just <laughs> you were 33 just go back to that like that just annoyed me i was like no one else has done that have they mm. like no, sit down <laughs> <laughs> you're good but there's limits yeah yeah um you mentioned that every track is different every location brings something special do you have a favorite track or location and if so why um of the current. Yeah, current of the current game. ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, obviously last year, right, like Abu Dhabi stood out so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can just say even from, from this year and last year sort of confirmed it, I love Mexico. Mm-hmm. Mainly because when I watch it, I just want to be there. Yeah, and like, okay. I don't have that strong of a feeling with, with any others. Um, having said that, we like... Again, myself and James have both acknowledged that, like, if we're going to go to a track, it'll be Spa. Okay. Just for the, like, authentic, yeah. like, history type experience, right? Um, and then I suppose just being in Europe, you could go to something else. You're not even to pick one. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I, I'd say to, to watch, like, as I do typically on the TV, Mexico. Yeah. yeah. So that's really interesting. We, we I was talking to... Um, Timo on the Undercut podcast and on mm. Lexa Drive about this because Mexico doesn't necessarily produce the no. most exciting race racing ride. Which yeah, I was just going to say this because yeah. I remember watching it recently and I was just like, hmm. if it wasn't for Daniel Ricardo, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he found himself halfway through. Yeah, <laughs> had an epiphany. Um, 
for me, I think, I don't know whether it's because when, when you ask me, like, what's my favourite, I'm imagining myself there as a spectator, okay. yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and just kind of that feel and even Whereas you I think love. about spa and you're imagining yourself in a raincoat. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. I still want to go yeah. there, but I'm in a raincoat. Yeah. yeah. Um, and even just, you know, the way they finish it and it's like just, it's just they put so much effort in. I think yeah. that's quite cool. Plus, you get the mariachi, yeah, um, yeah, version one. Oh my god, <laughs> so just gets everyone in a good mood straight away. It was like, amazing. I was like, I, I watched um, Mexico on a plane, mm. like I was on the United flight, yeah. um, up to New York, and was watching that. And I was like, literally sitting on this plane, like being like, "Where are the trumpets?" Then I remember <laughs> yeah. I had my noise cancelling headphones on. Yeah, oh my god, it was just an incredible experience. Yeah, cool. um, so. You probably answered my next question, which was if you could go to one race next year, you've got 800 to choose mm, from, um, <laughs> but where would it be? Do you think it would be would be Spa? Or, or maybe the question is if you had to pick between Spa and Mexico next year, which would it be? Do you know, it's just so funny. Like the idea of going to Mexico just excites me yeah. so much. Yeah. I really don't even know why. I can't, yeah. I can't give that a genuine reason, so I do apologise. <laughs> um, I feel like <laughs> this is so bad. Maybe it's because... I'm from Europe. I yeah. feel like I will go to spa when I'm like 50. Or okay. so. Right. Like that'll be like a years down the line. And I feel like Mexico is somewhere you need to go when you're a bit more like energetic Energy. and like up for the tequila that will come <laughs> for days after. When you're happy to live off tequila and churros yeah, for so like yeah. three days. Fine. Yeah. And that's that you're okay with that. Yeah. Spa will be when I need a few hip replacements. So just slip, not slip over in the rain. Um, where do you go for your Formula One content or how do you mm. like to kind of update digest? myself? Yeah, exactly. The F1 app, mm. the, the Formula One app and, oh, um, yeah, or Instagram. Yeah. For Which drivers or for teams or that type of thing? or Both, actually. So um, on Instagram, I would follow the the Formula One page. Mm. Um, and then I follow, obviously, the, the drivers and the teams that I follow. Yeah. I follow who I the follow. follow who I follow. <laughs> follow Seption. <laughs> mm. um, yeah, just to even see what's going on and see what kind of news has landed. It's, it's obviously a great way to get it in, like, bite-sized chunks, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that you look for the the blue tick, so to speak, yes, yes. in that you go for kind of official sources. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As yeah. opposed to unofficial, <laughs> unofficial sources. We're doing really well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, you know what I mean. You kind of wait. like speculation is great for sure, but um, I am one. Of, uh, yeah, I am definitely one of those people who's like, let me check what is real. Like, mm. let, like I don't. I don't know, maybe, maybe, aside from you, I don't have any sources close enough to actually it's, listen to. It's so. so problematic that I'm your source. It's really, really worrying for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Um, so talking about information, is there is there something you would like to know more about or kind of learn more about when it comes to Formula One? Definitely the technical side. Mm. So I am one of these people as well, and, and like this applies to like my work life and personal life, is that... I'm I'm sort of like, I like to be all or nothing, right? right? So if you're trying to get me involved in something that I don't understand, or like, let's take a new sport, for example. If mm-hmm. I don't understand the rules and the why and the like, who's good and how to be good and mm. everything, I'm not, I'm, I'll lose interest. Yeah. I'm like, I'm out. Yeah. Because I can't give all of myself to it, okay. right? So 
And there are times with Formula One where I'm like, I just, just want to understand a little, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, yeah. I do want to, I still get confused with like undercut, overcut. It's like the offside rule to me. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> oh, what is, what's happening? Yeah. Which one's right? Yeah. Um, I would love to just, uh, yeah, really understand like the cars and the technology behind mm. it. And I, and I suppose more so like, don't get me wrong, I don't need to know the makeup of the engine because I'm never sure. going to service one. Yeah. But it's like, what does that mean? Yeah. Why? Like, yeah. okay, the rules have changed. What does that mean? Yeah. And, and why have they changed? And what will this now mean for the teams and the drivers? Mm. And like, again, I've like obviously recently read that um, Red Bull have limited their air tunnel time for next year. And it's like, okay, but what do they do in the air? T- like, obviously yeah. you can guess, but we get it. I assume it's like um, for ultimate testing of like aerodynamics. And that's just me assuming things. But I would love to know more about that. And I, I don't really know where to go to get that, to be totally mm. honest, in the sort of level that I need. At, yeah, so with with, him, with the kind of that tech talk pitched at the right level, level that it yeah. will kind of... Because you'll lose me. Sense of <laughs> okay. it. Yeah, Ooh. totally. Or we've gone too far. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I would definitely love to do that. And I know, like, don't get me wrong, I know I could sit there and search for things on YouTube, but... yeah. I also don't need it right now. Mm. I'm, I'm engaged enough. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't yet gone on. Despite there being like so many races and everything else, you're somehow so still So many. So many. Yeah. Um, God, yeah. <laughs> is there a track that you would like to see on the calendar that's not or or locate or even, you know, it doesn't have to be a track that exists necessarily. <laughs> like is there a location that you think would be really cool to see a Formula One race in Grand Prix in? Yeah, I don't, I don't, to be honest, I don't know if I know enough to like make an overly informed decision, but like it, it does blow, like is there, is there one in Germany? Not at the moment, no. no. So like I always think to myself, like I, I always think it's there mm. and that's is exactly why I was just like, is there? Yeah, that that's one that's always um, surprised me. But wasn't there like issues of like safety with the neuro ring that I can't pronounce properly? Sorry for the term. Do you just call it the neuro ring? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah, I gotta do it. I gotta do it. That's um, fantastic. <laughs> I was just leaving it. No. Neuro ring. It's so great. But I so I feel like we were talking about this recently, and there was like real like issues, safety concerns. Well, there are. Like, so there's a few tracks that exist where there have been pretty terrible mm. crashes in the past. So, for example, Magello, mm-hmm. great track, really um, designed really well when it comes to entertaining racing and that type of thing, but it's got some safety issues with it, which yeah, has resulted yeah. in some pretty serious accidents, Gosh. which is one of the reasons why it's, I'm sure it's one of many, um, not mm. on the calendar at the moment. But let's go with Germany. And I think yeah, it yeah. is an interesting point that there's so much German involvement Yes. Obviously, from all sorts of perspectives, yeah. Um, in terms of, and also with um, Audi coming in. Yeah, as I was well. just gonna say, even if you look at like, general car mm-hmm. manufacturing, like, yeah, Germany is like just such a massive. And then even for us, like, obviously growing up in Europe, like <laughs> Germany was the place people would go when they have was it the um. So the autobahns, like the roads that have like no speed no limits, and it's like yeah. people are like, yeah, like I'm off with a new car. Like, so I just like maybe it's just that I kind of just associate it as like a car yeah. hungry place. Like, yeah, 
I think that's a fair association. And, and, and again, like their involvement in every element of the sport mm. would make sense. And I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that we haven't, we won't see a German race yeah. on the grid next year. Grid? Grid, grid? on the calendar. On the calendar. Calendar on the track. I feel like I know what your the next question is. is. What? I feel like I know what your next question is. I mean, go for it. Be ready to be disappointed. Which track can I, would I not like to see or like to not sure. see? Sure. Let's go. It wasn't, but let's go for it. <laughs> I think you know this already. There's two. Yeah, I, I, so I don't like Miami. Don't agree with it mm. because it's not a track; it's a car park. Issues <laughs> um, and the Vegas thing. Like, don't get me wrong. I think there it's going down a great path, and like it generates so much um, awareness and awareness. It's not a charity that needs awareness, <laughs> but um, like yes, to be clear, if one is not <laughs> not a charity. A charity. <laughs> Not accepting donations. Mm. Um, I'm sure they would accept donations. Yeah, they probably would. <laughs> not from me. Uh, <laughs> they do not need my support financially, let's be clear. Um, yeah, it's just, it does so much to to generate sort of like new popularity, new interest, mm. get people excited. Like, yeah. Don't get me wrong, if I got a free ticket to go be in Vegas like, the weekend, I'm, I'm going because yeah. that would be a hell of a vibe. But the racing, like, is it going to be any good? Mm. Like, I just, I, I'm sceptical about that. Um, and then obviously, like, the Miami thing, I know for certain reasons it has to fit where it fits in the track or in the calendar, sorry. Mm. But it's like, then it doesn't work. Like, if it doesn't work, don't do it. Like, mm. I just, like, are we sacrificing, like, certain things for a good race just to get Miami in there? Because it's Miami, woohoo. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just frustrates me. Sorry to all of our Miami listeners. We do have some over there who are absolutely wonderful, wonderful people who we and met. We do in love Miami. Miami. Yeah. Let's, let's we go to Miami it. all the time. Let's However, get this clear. Um, yeah, it's just yeah. No, I'm with you, and I think I think I know what you're trying to say. Just in terms of you know, are there other places that would have better racing? They're not going to generate yeah. as much revenue potential. And like everyone was like but, absolutely exhausted, dehydrated, like on the verge of like yeah near-death experiences here <laughs> which is an issue what they're doing every week but yeah yeah I just I was like was that worth it yeah like if we can't do it in the slightly cooler times of year or mm-hmm. on a better quality track or yeah and of course there was like no other racing before it right because obviously it's not it's not set up for that so then the track has like issues and there's mm-hmm. parts of it where you've um sort of like lack of grip and so are you really driving to your full ability then? Uh, yeah. yeah. Just, I have question mark. <laughs> I have question mark. And there was like, it did feel like, I know as a spectator watching it, it was like patched, like patched tarmac mm. in places. You're like, oh my God, was this done yesterday? Yeah. It did feel a bit, I don't know. I think the, the challenging thing with, I know it's not all tracks, but looking at the likes of Vegas and Miami, you know, Vegas tickets are two to two and a half thousand for a seat. Yeah. $500 a day for general admission. Yeah. Like when you, if that's the trend and the direction that ticket prices are going, don't even, like don't even think about your accommodation yeah, for that weekend flight, yeah. and then flights to get food there. and mm. all that type of thing, paying 30 bucks for a beer. Like it's just become so inaccessible, I think. It's yeah. The, my, one of my biggest um 
kind of issues with that. Like, I, again, I don't think, whilst we might be naive occasionally when it comes to that's exactly what he said and that's why he left um, Red Bull. But, um, but so I think, we, you know, we're very aware of the business needs of mm-hmm. an organisation like that. But I think the sacrifice and yeah, how far it's pulling yeah. away from fans is a problem. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And then that does get a bit annoying because it's like, okay, the tickets that are the most expensive are the ones where the the driving sort of quality might mm. be reduced. And it's yeah. like, well, what are we paying for? Them? Yeah. Oh, totally. You know, like, but it's tapping into a different market of fans, right? Yep. Um, and George Russell said that kind of in the Vegas launch. He basically mm. said, like, this track is built for entertainment. I don't know how fun it's going to be to drive and it's going to actually be really hard to focus as a driver. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. okay. It's hard to focus in Vegas as a pedestrian. Never <laughs> <laughs> mind. Yeah. Having to, uh, yeah. Fair play to them. Yeah. No, <laughs> exactly. Um, so I've got two more questions for you. First of all, what is your predictions <laughs> for Brazil now that you know what the poll outcome is? <gasps> Amazing. Um, well, yeah, well, there is still a sprint. There is still a sprint. Mini race. Um, oh, predictions. I don't know. Obviously, I'd like to still think Max will be um, be first. Um, but also, uh, like, obviously, he's already won the championship, so it is really nice to kind of watch this battle going on between between everyone else. Um, obviously, even not because it's Red Bull, I do love Perez. I just yeah. think he's so wholesome as a human. <laughs> I just, like, want to go out with him and, like, have tackles somewhere. Like, it just he just seems so, like genuine um yeah. I just kind of want to see him do well um so I, I would actually love to see him I would have loved to have seen him win last um, yeah. in Mexico but hey whatever um okay so let's go with I'll go Max first Perez second maybe I'll go Hamilton third tell which me is very typical, tell me you go it? for Red really Bull without telling me you go for Red Bull <laughs> I know, well, like, no offence, Ferrari, but, like, it's been really interesting to watch. Like, at the beginning of the season, obviously, Red Bull had their issues. Mm. And, like, I was terrified that this was, like, Ferrari season because, like, it was pegged to be, right? Um, And it's just been so interesting to watch, like, later in the season that, like, Mercedes, now we're, like, last year I'd have never been egging on Hamilton. But this year we were, like, yay, like, he's doing really well. And, like, yeah bringing it back from, like, nowhere, basically. Yeah. So that's been really, really interesting to see. Mm. Um, to be fair, I do actually feel quite bad for the Ferrari drivers some weekends because just the stuff that's been happening has been a bit wild. But, yeah, um, yeah I would... Ah, look, maybe we could give Leclerc a podium. It's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> he might forget what they look like by now. Well, yeah, exactly. I don't know. Let's Get see. lost on the way to the podium. Let's see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and last question for you, because this is, of course, for Lakeside Drive. Who is your yeah. favourite Lakeside Drive host? Boo, let's remember who's buying you a drink after this. To yeah, say obviously, thank you. Freya. <laughs> obviously, Freya. Um, That's the answer. Well, I've only answer, met yeah. Freya and James very briefly, but um, yeah. Obviously, yeah. And that is the end of the interview. Thank you very much. <laughs> cut, cut right there. Thank you for joining me, Emily, though, and sharing a bit about your your story in the context of Formula One. It's been really good fun. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Emily, for spending some time with me talking F1 and sharing your story. 
We all know Tommy's your favourite. That's okay. I'll, I'll let you get away with get away with that. Just because I'm sitting in front of you doesn't mean it has to be me. But really appreciated spending some time with you. Um, and I'm still questioning whether or not there's actually a, a way you can actually play CDs anymore, which is a challenge you might have to figure out by Christmas when, when your dad comes to visit. But thanks so much for telling your story and sharing it with other Lakeside Drive fans. And look out, you might be the next one who I tap on the shoulder and ask to share what it is you love about Formula One and why you support who you do and how you got into it. Like me, Emily loves watching sport, movies, TV from all over the world. Apparently not soccer, sorry, football, Uh, but we can both do that. We can both watch sport and movies from all over the world because of the magic that is a VPN. And you can as well. With NordVPN, you get two years at a discounted rate with four months free at nordvpn.com forward slash lakeside drive. You get to have that remote content. You can watch your football if that's your thing. You can watch your Formula One if that's your thing. Um, And you'll also know that that is private as well. They've doubled down on keeping you safe with their new threat protection feature. So say goodbye to intrusive website ads and malware and people threatening to give you money. Uh, Even if you download an infected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes a mess on your computer. And don't forget, that this is all risk-free. You've got a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you like it, then great. And if you don't, they'll give you a refund and we can all act like it never happened. So go and check out nordvpn.com forward slash lakeside drive and access your favourite content from all over the world. So I suppose what we would call our second profile um, for today is Rachel Mindell, who is a material scientist with Mercedes. So Rachel studied a master's in materials engineering at the University of Birmingham. She did a year abroad over in um, Illinois which would have been an amazing experience. I'm sure very different from Birmingham stepping foot over into the US, um, especially in a place like, like Illinois and obviously Birmingham, incredibly different cultures and experiences. But as soon as she finished that engineering degree, went and joined Mercedes straight after she had finished university as a graduate engineer initially. So um, came in at very a very junior point in her career. And that was only in 2016. So when we're talking about people's careers, um, I think it's really interesting to hear about um, F1 roles where their incumbents have built up over a matter of decades um, or might not even have been, you know, targeting Formula One and motorsport as their careers and others who, who really went straight there when it comes to where they wanted to work and what they wanted to do. So what does a material scientist do in the world of Formula One? We're looking at things like material selection and characterization as well as qualification of those, process development and control, Proof of concept, component developing and testing. So basically, does it do what we think it's going to do and is it what we think it is? Um, As well as analysis of failure as well. And that might be through service or through the manufacturer as well. But this is a job that really emphasises the scientific method when it comes to having a hypothesis, testing that and then putting it into practice 
through um, that that rigorous kind of feedback and testing um, process, which is quite interesting. But basically what they're doing is looking at how they can take advantage of materials at their absolute limits as well as introducing new materials. So basically you're coming up with hypotheses or ideas. Um, For example, you might be looking for a lighter or more reliable or more efficient um, materials solutions. So coming up with those ideas um, and seeing if that will be something that helps a car to go faster and deliver performance. So those ideas, um, you have, you know, that kind of creative hub within Formula One where you have the resources to go and actually test them, create them. Um, So they'll go through that testing and evaluation process. And then only after that can it go through the designers who turn that hypothesis or that idea into actual components, Um, then going through another kind of rigorous testing process before it makes it into the car. You'd hear from some of the other um, roles that we've, we've profiled so far when it comes to wind tunnel technicians and everything else getting involved to see if this material is actually performing in the way you think it's going to. But their role very much supports almost every element of design and manufacturer when it comes to their material needs. So material science scientists and engineers contribute to performance by basically working on a combination of both the reliability but also performance of the car. But it's not just that. They're also trying to assess and resolve any issues coming back from the track. So, again, Similarly to other roles um, that we've talked about, you know, you have this combination of constantly trying to develop a new product. So thinking about what the the fuel blueprint will look like for, for next year, but then also trying to figure out what's going on with the fuel at the moment and can we can we evolve the the current um, makeup of of that that fluid. So you have this constant battle between trying to develop new things and then fixing what's going on at the moment if there's any issues coming back from a race weekend or, or testing as well. So that means that on a day-to-day basis, Rachel will be working between the lab and her desk and working on development plans and projects that will all really centre around um, capability improvements, which then adds to the knowledge base at Mercedes. But then, of course, you can just put all of that down because something at the track or testing fails and those R&D projects just get put on hold until that problem is resolved. So just another person out there hoping for no phone calls although perhaps because it's Mercedes, um, it's emails instead. But like many technical roles in Formula One, Rachel's role revolves around modelling theories and data and data analysis, which of course means that when it comes to to data and, you know, we've we've said that there's hypotheses there, but you often think that data is going to behave a certain way, that a product that you're testing is going to go in a certain direction, but often it does something actually completely different and hopefully it's less often than you think it's going to be. But Rachel describes this as one of the most challenging parts of her role is that you have a theory but then the data doesn't behave in the way that you're expecting, which means you have to go back and understand your theory in a lot more detail for one but then adapt that to what you're seeing in the data. So having these hypotheses, having your data and your 
your material behave in a certain way, sometimes not what the way in the way that you're expecting, and then having to go back and basically figure out why and, and rehypothesize and adapt those theories. So constant, constant problem solving, which as you can imagine when it comes to just how our brains work, we want to re- we want to resolve things. We want to we want to know why something is working the way it is, and and that's her job to do. Would, would be putting a lot of um, a lot of stress and pressure on um, on your problem solving centers. And because you didn't get enough of me tripping over my words last week and the week before, the lab that Rachel works in. Um, isn't a mobile one in comparison to some of the, the track size um, fuel technicians, for example. Um, she's not in a role that travels to circuits, which means that um, Rachel would have a lot of microscopes to work with and big microscopes to work with. So let's get some of those tongue twisters out. Um, we've got the SEM, otherwise known as the scanning electron microscope. We have the EDX, which is the Energy Dispersive X-ray Spectroscopy. Yep. And the digital microscopes as well. So, of course, on top of that, with all of the software and analytical programs to actually figure out how to to use those materials. But, again, I think um, when we're thinking about um, those different roles in Formula One and how you have to make your work adapt um, you know, you've got you've got some people who are having to operate out of um, wardrobes in the back of garages to to test fuel components, and then Rachel, who will be in the lab with a nice big setup um, and things that don't have to get packed down in six hours on a Sunday night. But about eighty five percent of a Formula One car is made from composite. So composite is a material um, made by combining two or more different materials together in order to create um, a composite to get the, basically the best out of both. Um, so usually these two materials would be a polymer matrix and then a reinforcing agent such as a fibre. So, for example, if you combine fibre and resin, that would give you a composite. So an advanced polymer composite um, is what she is working on most of the time. That's mostly what she is analysing again because that makes up the vast majority of the car, or close to close to 85% of, of most Formula One cars. But she'll also be looking at some um, you know, different types of metals and things like that, especially when there's been a failure at, at the track. Her team will be trying to figure out what's going on, why that material is not behaving in the way that it was supposed to, has it failed in the way that it's supposed to, um, and and that would also change the types of materials that she's working with as well. But when it comes to favourite parts of the role, um, for Rachel, like many, it's about working with technology um, and technology that is right on the limit and is cutting edge when it comes to innovation. And I don't think this is true for almost any role as much as it is for material science in particular because we think about materials, we don't know what we don't know yet. Um, You know, she's literally out there figuring out what the next, you know, most flexible but reliable but efficient material might be. And, of course, these are things that are developed for Formula One cars but might then also translate to to other products um, as well um, when it comes to, um, you know, motorsport and, um, and cars and transportation and 
aerospace and, and all sorts of things. So it's a huge innovation era. And if you think about area, sorry, and if you think about um, materials and where they've come from, you know, and the, I suppose, the narrative, the storyline of material science, you can go back to the Stone Age. You know, people in the Stone Age wouldn't have known that the next thing that they were going to have to work with the Bronze Age and the Bronze Age people wouldn't have known that the next thing was the Iron Age and then antiquity and then through the Silicon Age with, you know, a whole new invention. So it does sound like a really exciting part of Formula One to work in because you you, you have the opportunity to, to test those hypotheses, test your new ideas and and see if it works in the way that you think it, you got, it's going to. And like I said, you don't know what you don't know yet and you don't know what you might be creating. So I'm sure that's a really exciting part of it. Um, and as she mentions, one of her favourite parts of, of the job. But, of course, working in F1 means that you get to see those ideas come to life and be back on or be on track, be on the car delivering performance in a matter of weeks. So as opposed to trying to secure funding in order to test your idea in an academic setting, for example, you know that you, you have that backing and you have the, the resources available in order to see it through um, if it does turn out to be something that is likely to, to deliver performance um, and Im- improve how the car goes. So a fascinating area um, of Formula One to be involved with. I feel like I've just you know, scrape the tip of the iceberg with this, especially when it comes to the history of this type of science. Um, It must just be an incredible feeling to know the types of um, problems that you might be solving and where they might go. But um, if you're ever wondering about why Mercedes cars are so robust or going so far, we might be speaking to Rachel Mindell, who helps them to figure all of that out. But that's it for this weekend on Freya's Free Practice Fridays. Thank you for joining me. Thank you to Emily. Um, thank you for to Rachel for doing incredible work um, over there at Mercedes, um, a wonderful area to be involved in and something that really got me going when it came to just investigating material science and everything that comes with it. Um, join us next week. We are getting very close to the 900 races um, that we have this year and it's going to be over a thousand next year I've heard so thanks for joining me and we'll see you next time what's up James enjoy